Let's do the thing again, just so we have more oh, takes. That we can... Welcome to In Front of Ira. We're Sabrina. And Torsten. Two historians. And friends. And lovers. Of romantic comedies. And this is the podcast in which we answer the age-old question. Will they or oh. won't they? This is the take you should keep. Um, is it or isn't it a romantic comedy? Technically, that's two questions. I can't do this with you right now. You can never do this with me right now. Why? That's true. But we're doing it right now. <laughs> anyway. This is a philosophical issue. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> All right. We are, we are here to discuss the... 2001? 2002. It's shot in 2001. Then. <laughs> yeah, I think it must have been. We are, we are here to discuss the 2002 romantic comedy classic starring Reese Witherspoon and also other people called Sweet Home Alabama. Yep. And uh, Sweet Home Alabama is just as terrible as the song it is... Uh, stealing the title from um by leonard skinner um and why are they similarly terrible because obviously they're both very invested in a version of the u.s south that very much is connected to confederate states of america which i think as two historians of american history uh is yeah we kind of noticed we noticed and it's kind of um yeah it kind of spoils it for you um um I have to say, like, I, th- I saw that. I must have seen that first when it was fairly new. Like, I don't know if I saw it when it came out, but I must have. Like, I definitely was a teenager like when in I the saw it. So, yeah, I'm born in 89. So, yes. Yeah, so, in 2002, I would have been 13. So, I'm sure I saw it when it was, like, 14, 15, somewhere around that time. And, obviously, it was, like, it went, It was fine. Like, I liked it. It would, like, nothing, like, disturb me about it in particular. I also definitely must have seen the dubbed German version at that point. And then I... I don't know. I've definitely seen it again over the years. Just something you put on and then don't think about much. Mm. Um, and then I and I saw it again. Must have been I don't know in my twenties. At some point after I did a degree in American studies, and was like, "Hold the fuck up! What is going on here?" Um, also answering the question: Does this podcast have an explicit rating or not? No. Well, yeah, we should be able. Like, I can't do this without swearing. I cannot talk about Sweet Home Alabama without swearing. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, do you do you want to talk about like what the actual what, what plot is happening? Point is? Yeah. yeah. So Sweet Home Alabama starts as all movies about the American South do in New York. Yeah. Um, so in New York, we meet, um, it's, it's not smoother. What is her name? In Carmichael. The, she, Carmichael. that's also the thing. She takes on the name Carmichael, which I think is her childhood friend's name, um, because it's a fancy, like the more posh name. Um, and because she wants to hide that she's not only from the South, but she's from a rural area of the South, which, I mean, you can do something with this. Like it's about class. It's about her going to New York mm. and trying to make it as a fashion designer. So I don't have an issue with that. Like, uh, um so yeah she's melanie carmichael she's trying to be a fashion designer when we meet her it's obviously new york yeah. fashion week and she's she's putting out she seems to have a collection there are models running yeah. around so things are looking good for melanie carmichael question mark in new york city you kind of get this classic early 2000s uh bustling new york city fashion world 
kind of ugly Betty-ish uh, scene, I guess. And um, her boyfriend, who is played by Patrick Dempsey in... Pre-Grey's Anatomy, Patrick Dempsey. Pre-Grey's Anatomy. I never saw Grey's Anatomy, so that doesn't mean anything to me. But uh, apparently he wasn't well known before that. No, he was not. Um, and I think that's also interesting because, as you can tell, if he's the boyfriend when the movie starts, he won't be the boyfriend when the movie ends. Like, everyone, like, that's just how it works, especially because he proposes to her within, I think, the first 10 to 15 minutes of the film by renting out Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Um, as you do. And yeah, as you do. And uh, also interesting here because this is the massive film 2001 or early 2002. And actually, um, trivia about this is they were the first film allowed to shoot in New York City after 9-11. And yet, of of course, the film does not like mention 9-11 i mean i don't fault it for that but it's still an interesting moment to be in and like have that image of new york and like it's just it's just erased from public memory which is the case with a lot of things that come out at the time um and uh, was, just a just a yeah. quick thing. every time you hit the thing oh, i hear sorry. it in the microphone just um and it was also the first film to allow uh it was allowed filming at tiffany's since breakfast at Okay, New York. I I hope you you know what you've done there. I hope you. I hope it was worth it. Um, so he proposes to her. She's not entirely sure. We don't quite know why she's not entirely sure. She says, "Like, do you really want to marry me, Patrick Dempsey, who looks like a cross between JFK and Emmanuel Macron?" In this kind he of looks like a Yankee, which they also point out, which is a whole thing. <laughs> to get into (laughs) (laughs) and um he proposes but eventually she says yes and uh, patrick dempsey is the son of new york mayor candace bergen obviously that's her name (laughs) i I wrote it down somewhere is it is it important is it important you have to picture candace bergen it's also the version of candace bergen that's always angry that's what I mean. Is she's like basically 90s she's Candace also Bergen. because this is happening at the same time, um, and I think that's also informed by it is uh, Sex and the City, and uh, Candace Bergen was in Sex and the City once as one of Carrie's editors uh, with Vogue, and she was that character. Just mm. now, she happens this to be is, a mayor. This is kind of like a, 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 um, a pre uh, Meryl Streep fashion world um, movie kind of yeah. Devil Wears Prada is like what two thousand four or something. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and Candace Bergen was sort of the stand for a lot of those clearly characters. clearly Hillary Clinton. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. Like, Hillary Clinton at this point is uh, already the senator from New York. And obviously people know Hillary Clinton. She's kind of dressed like Hillary Clinton. There's a whole, like, 1990s, early 2000s woman in power stereotype that she completely plays into here. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there there is stuff to criticize about, you know, that kind of person. But it's also such an obvious contrast to everything that will happen once Melanie goes back to Alabama um, and which was filmed in Georgia. But anyway, um, when she goes to the South and the whole, you know, they do play into um, the differences and the stereotypes. And I mean, there's there's a it's it's a different type of fish out of water story in that sense, kind of reverse fish out of water. What yeah. is that? Like? And I mean you could do Is that Salamander into the water? What is that? What is that? <laughs> Not that Voyager episode. Um what did I want to say? What what is it called? Oh Jesus Christ. Um 
the class-based rom-com or like there's a term that i'm blanking on um you're talking about comedy of mer manners or? yeah basically i think it's the closest any american film would ever go to a get to a comedy of manners is when they do north south because you know it's they can't go do aristocracy like it's not a thing and it usually doesn't seem to be that the southern people are the rich people in these it's always the northern people yeah which is people. really funny because <laughs> well plantation. and i mean she does pretend to be a rich person from the south which is also interesting like this layers yeah. here um which is like funny like why would you want to pretend to be from a plantation um but yeah so she um i'm gonna look at the actual yeah uh way that this happens so so reese witherspoon is uh whatever her actual name is smoother smoother carl michael carl michael carmichael um is still married to her high school sweetheart back in alabama which we learn the very next scene when we see her driving down a tree covered avenue is it tree covered no it's tree lined avenue in the american south and uh, she is approaching the house of her still husband basically asking him to give her her divorce which we later learn was a thing that she'd been doing constantly sending him divorce papers and he never filled them out never sent them back and at this point she really wants to get married and needs the divorce but also nobody in new york knows that she's still married so there's our plot point yeah so obviously like her thing now is she needs to secure the divorce without her now fiance finding out that she's still married the problem just is his mother being the mayor is very invested like she doesn't like the fact that he got engaged and she's very invested in finding out like doing a background check uh on her soon-to-be daughter-in-law because obviously any dirt will be digged up dug up by like you know whomever um when she's up for election and all of that and, and he, she wants she wants him as we learn later in the movie to become president of the united states so this yeah, is basically is, uh, yeah. like and, very ambitious and and so she sends her assistant sort of undercover uh, as a journalist down to alabama to spy on her um yeah which, played by a pre big bang theory yeah, kevin sussman yeah. yeah um and i mean there's a bunch of like that's the thing like the cast is actually very good like it's just a, like her new um like her old husband is josh lucas who hasn't been in that many things but i mean he's like old enough um there's a bunch of other like names we've already uh dropped this melanie linsky is in there as like her old i think school like, friend like the kind friend. of contrast the, the person contrast, who didn't get out yeah, who has like three kids yeah yeah um and obviously she looks down on her first but they sort of like agree on the thing of yeah. like you know um just because we have different lives it doesn't mean mine is bad which i mean those are all like like those are all good points to to make um if they didn't need to like force the whole actually the confederacy wasn't that bad um thing on us later in the film as well so while she goes down she obviously also has a strained relationship with her parents because she left her uh hometown and you know yeah, doesn't and that comes to talk up to them much. pretty much immediately she, i think she's ashamed obviously of her background and that's a thing and she needs to learn not to be ashamed of her background um right so she goes and visits josh lucas who she's still married to at his home which is next to a lake where he parks his plane because 
that's apparently yeah. what you do. And he refuses to give her a divorce and uh, they basically fight and uh, the sheriff comes in and uh, George Lucas wants her basically to leave the house. But since it's revealed that they're still married, the sheriff, who is also one of their classmates from, from high school, um, uh, basically says like, well, um, she still owns half the house. You can't kick her out. So all of this is just a domestic dispute um, and I'm out of here. And then Josh Lucas says, oh, remember uh, who drove your was it mother's tractor into the pond? Something something very like rural like that. And there's an outstanding warrant from what must be 15 years back now. And uh, so she's hauled to jail and gets her one phone call and calls her parents who are in that very small town who she did not tell that she was coming into town. So interesting. Yeah, and that she's going to get married and all of that stuff. And um, so we see that kicks off the narrative. Um, she also goes down to the bar the same night where her um, actual mother-in-law works. And, you know, we get a sense of the town. And there's this very, like, uncomfortable scene where she gets way too drunk in the bar. And she's very rude to, A, her childhood friend, uh uh, Melanie Lensky and then also Ethan Embry who's another of her childhood friends who's gay and he's obviously closeted because he lives in small town Alabama but she thinks it's a great idea while drunk to basically out him to everyone and I mean this is sort of downplayed later and like she apologizes for it because everybody apparently in the small town is very cool with him being gay because he's still good old Bobby Ray and I have a feeling this would not happen and I mean films are allowed to like be a bit fairy tale about this but it's still a very it's interesting dick move from like the leading lady essentially and it's and it's especially interesting because the screenplay was written by an out gay man very yeah. very clearly um and admittedly he also did what the uh mormon movie kind of yeah, so that, about that's the thing life. we should talk about this because neither the director nor the screenwriter of this film are like super well known um so the screenwriter is called C.J. Cox. He's um, he's Mormon. So he was, you know, grew up Mormon. Um, went to Brigham Young University. So <laughs> Fuller Mormon is gay. Came out as gay. Um, and because of the fact that this film was actually very successful, um, managed to you know get the money and uh, mm. the production company to make a film called Latter Days that year after which is about a gay mormon um and latter days mostly you know is an indie film that found its audience uh among queer people and specifically mm. i guess queer mormons um and and got decent reviews which is interesting but that's that's what he did and then he did a very bad 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 rainy zalwega rom-com called new in town and that's basically been which it. i when when we first um, started talking about this movie i confused sweet home alabama with that movie and i feel much less bad about that now because it's written by the same guy and it's essentially the same story so um yeah and and yeah i was wondering about that is that just kind of him working within the system and i mean obviously there's directorial and editorial decisions that come after that as to like how high you play that moment or how low or is it also kind of a little bit of wish fulfillment oh everybody would be cool in this yeah, small town it's it's complicated especially because he is from that conservative like a different type of mm. conservative from nevada um 
but it's still conservative U.S. where you can't be out and you can, and also with the religious component. And I think it's wishful thinking. I still think it's a very interesting thing to basically have to, like he could have put that gay character in and people would find out without that forced outing. Maybe maybe it's just because it's such a minor plot point and you had to like force it in and make it very quick and like make it one of the things where she realizes she's out of line and she needs to actually like yeah. grapple with, uh, whatever grudges she carries for her own heritage. Um, but yeah, I still have issues with it. It reminded me of when uh, in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she outs Shy Baldwin um, mm. and then we're supposed to feel sorry for her for being kicked off the tour. And I'm like, I do not feel sorry for you right now, Mitch, because you did a very shitty thing in 1950s America to a black gay man. Um, Which I'm, I'm, I'm really wondering the way that this was received by basically everyone who wasn't gay in 2002, because they still did the same plot point in Mrs. Maisel like 20 years later. So it's not a thing where apparently Hollywood is aware that this is a shitty thing to do to a person. It's it's very strange. Yeah, it's very strange, especially in Hollywood where everyone is closeted still. Literally almost everyone is still closeted, especially like movie actors more so than television actors. And it's not changed. Um, and uh, I mean, it, I think it also tracks for Ethan Embry, who's usually very likable when he's in things to mm. like take on a gay role, because that's also still a massive stigma in 2002. I don't think he like as far as he's straight, but like just to play the role. Um, and yeah. And I mean, I think his. He did he did a bunch of like high school films before um Can Hardly Wait and then sort of been steadily working on a mm. bunch of television shows. I think most most uh well known role probably isn't Grace and Frankie. Um but yeah. Yeah. So she our 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 heroine, um Melanie Carmichael Smooter. Carmichael <laughs> Um she she plots to get Josh Lucas to divorce her. And uh, in that, she ends up at the local bank where she meets bank teller Marilyn Rayskub in a very small but notable role who essentially tells her, hey, you still have a joint checking account here, a joint checking account, at which point Melanie realizes, oh, I can just take out all the money out of the joint checking account and uh, go back to the house and basically take up my role. Like, I'm your wife um, and I'm going to be a homebody. I'm going to cook. I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to annoy you to death with them, um, which uh, she then does. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I think to speed this up in terms of plot, what it happened, the thing happens that must happen, which is a that they because of the spent time together, work through their past. Obviously, there's a twist at some point where we find out why they actually broke up in mm. the first place. And it is because she got pregnant. Um, again, they were high school sweethearts. They got married right out of high school because she got pregnant when she was like 19 um and of course she did not have an abortion because it's the south and this is a very conservative film but uh, she had a miscarriage um but she was also happy about the miscarriage and they were both like he's apparently like well you know you should have moved on you should have had a bigger career i'm happy that you have this career so that's obviously also important he's not that conservative that he would have wanted her to stay mm. and then he also made something out of himself which we find out very late is this very weird business where he does like glass 
uh, things out of, um, which is what the film actually opens with is this flashback of them being kids on the beach oh, yeah. and their first kiss. We and, should talk about uh, young Dakota Fanning. Yeah, and the uh, lightning strikes into the beach and the sand uh, becomes glass. And he uses that glass to like make bespoke glassware things um and that's his business now and this is which he finds out very late so obviously he's also a successful businessman so you know he's also like you know it's they've both have had careers and so he's even more interesting now because he's no longer just like a i guess southern hank who doesn't know what to do with yeah so so he's actually worth her love yeah yeah um he he does that she is uh she wants to after after outing uh, Ethan Embry wants to apologize goes to the plantation the Carmichael uh-huh. plantation because the gay guy also lives on this is from the plantation and family a, which is not his fault and there's a, but, a there's an interesting there's an interesting um, uh, all in the background is is civil war reenactment everybody seems to be doing it her dad is doing it um, the uh, uh, the dad from the from the plantation is doing it there's a scene which I reminded me very much of Mary Mary Poppins where they just shoot a cannon mm-hmm. and the guy with the beard just stands there in his Confederate uniform. Um, so she goes there, wants to apologize, and uh, Kevin Sussman, who is the assistant from uh, New York, from the mayor, who poses as a reporter, in essence tracks her down because it's the Carmichael plantation, and he assumes he has to go find the Carmichaels, and she realizes that uh, if a reporter found out that she wasn't actually called Carmichael, then her whole persona would disintegrate and hijinks ensue of her trying to convince the reporter that this Carmichael plantation is actually her home. Yeah. And I mean, that's also one of the, like, I mean, I think that the script hits sort of so many of the tropes you kind of want to be in there. And I think that's partially like, and I mean, the whole plot could be a Hallmark film as well. It's the cliche. You go back to your small town and actually connect back with your high school sweetheart or someone who owns a Christmas tree farm or whatever. Um, and, and you know, that's better than the life in the big city. And that's obviously where the film ends up. And it hits all these moments of like, Oh, comedy fair is like, Oh, you have to pretend of someone else. Obviously the whole ruse will fall apart. Um, and then they also go to, the like high stakes finale where she finally does get married it all goes very quickly like he um because she sort of makes up with her parents as well like they now will get married down in alabama rather than the plaza in new york we we need to we need to insert that patrick dempsey also basically makes it to alabama first thinks she's a carmichael then josh lucas finds him there and delivers him to her who at i think she that's that's when the reenactment happens where she's on the battlefield trying to find her dad um which is like a whole um as somebody who's who's written about reenactments um that's an interesting scene right right off the bat yeah i was i mean i've also taught on like reenactments and all of that and it's really funny because they all wake up like they're all playing dead and then like there's hardcore reenactors who would look at this and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" You're like, "You can't oh, yeah. there's, just break." There's 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 various levels, levels of like yeah. I was like those farbs, those farbs, which is the term they use for the like you know the casuals. Um, but it's uh, it's yeah. I mean, I think actually there's humor in there, but there's also I mean it's still a very problematic thing to do. And I mean I think that it's in there because it's oh it's local color and it's like you know and. What I, what I noticed though um, was uh, the South lost 
Because that was an interesting take. Because her dad, uh, her mother later says, oh, he was kind of resplendent in defeat. Like he, the Southern, they picked a battle where the South lost, which I'm not entirely sure if there was a lot of thought put into that mm. um, in, in terms of we can only do the reenactment if the bad guys lose. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Or if and it was I mean, the South the does not think it of itself as the bad guys, which is the whole thing. So I think there's super model politics. And obviously the most glaring issue with all of that is that we go to Alabama and there's not a black person in sight anywhere the whole time. There's like one at the post office and then there's one yeah, person like, at the plantation I mean, who is like there's layers. Obviously, there's layers of systemic racism. A, um, they're not in the South. A, everyone is fine. It's like, oh, this is a plantation. Nobody talks about slavery, but it's just, ooh, the nice plantation home. They do a Confederate reenactment. Um, nobody obviously talks about the issues with that. Nobody ever does. Um, and... Uh, and her like even wanting to pretend to be from a rich family in the South that owns a plantation without reflecting on that. But then in New York, one of her apparently best friends we see in two scenes is her assistant who is a black gay man. Uh, at least as it, like it's implied mm. that he's gay from mannerisms and whatever in his fashion and because he wears the very Doctor much, Who scarf. which obviously also supposed to make her more liberal and like likable and whatever, I guess. But it's, it's just so, you know, it's it doesn't engage with any of this. And obviously, why would a rom-com? But it's also just one of those things, texts, that just normalizes all of this to, you know, an uncomfortable degree, if you have any idea about what's going on. I mean, I think on, this is I this think. is where we where we kind of find our our center in terms of the, you know, the times and uh, in, in which this rom-com was produced and what was politically very much in in vogue was this kind of like post-racial moment idea of like oh yeah we don't have to talk about all that anymore which which you which you can then see kind of a culmination with the with the obama election and there's yeah. there's but a lot of liberals notably this is still ways off from the obama election this is also notably right after 9-11 and this is a massive time of conservative backlash. So I think it's also not a coincidence that a rom-com that's all about like going back home to the th South and also like sort of North-South like reconciliation in some ways is part of it. And obviously they reject the liberal Yankees because who's the president? Mm. George W. Bush. And like we're going through this moment of like, you know, American values. And in this case, it's Southern values and it's military and it's... You know, yeah, it feels like a little bit like uh, after the end of Reconstruction politics. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and that's where we were. And I mean, it's sort of overlapping, but like, I mean, they're filming this as all of this is still very much just unfolding. But we know how quick that went. Like, it five minutes after nine eleven, mm. everyone was rallying to march into Afghanistan. Everyone was like USA, USA. And I do think that like contributes to the success of the film because like it got very, very like mixed reviews, like fifty. 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, something sort of like in the middle of which, the road. Which, to be fair, is almost every rom-com. Yeah, um, but something I wouldn't Harry Met Sadie is better than that. But like, it's, but also it did very well at the box office. Like, it had a very good box office. Um, and uh, it, it it seemed, it is a film that I think most people, like, at least know off. Like, it is definitely a film. You can say, oh, Sweet Home Alabama, yeah, like, that exists, Reese Witherspoon, whatever. Um, it's also produced by Buena Vista, so Disney. Um... And uh, and Disney, right after 9-11, at that point in time, is very, very conservative and very, like, pro, uh, 
it, it shifts even more to the right. Mm-hmm. Um, Just marching with the with the yeah. tunes with the Which flag. is really funny because right now we're back at Oh Vogue Disney. <laughs> but um, back then, it yeah, it, it does fit the bill that they would also produce this, I think. And it's definitely that moment in time. Yeah, it feels like it's comfort food um, film fare made for white patriotic Americans yeah. in the early 2000s. Yeah, and those that also think of themselves as like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't mind if someone's black or whatever. But it's exactly that mm. sort of like post-racial in the sense of like whatever we have to stand together now. It's at least nobody's brown because and they're terrorists and whatever. That's exactly the moment, and it also does fit in that there's a gay character that gets accepted into the fold because that's also development that happens right after nine eleven. This is not a coincidence that things like gay marriage become such a big issue that that gets pushed through in the next decade because it's something that's about like homonormativity, like white gay mm. men are accepted into the fold because they're better than, you know, at least the terrorists and we have to stand together against the terrorists. And that's something that's been theorized in like media studies and, and queer studies. Um, and you can see that it's, there's a lot of casual, also, especially on television in the early 2000s, there's a lot of like modern family and yeah. things like that. It almost, it almost so it fits that that's in there in a way. Almost seems to me like a similar moment as the moment in which the Madison society first really became known in the, in, in the fifties. Yeah. It's more complicated than cause cold war and they were actually yeah, legal, but, like, but <laughs> no, but like the idea of, of you have this very conservative climate in which a certain kind of queerness. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, the, it's, a conformity thing yeah. yeah it's it's definitely like okay you know the ones that are like then are not actually queer but like mostly gay and some lesbians but mostly white gay men and so he fits the bill and so everyone mm. well you know you haven't changed you sail bobby ray whatever we can we can live with you essentially like you're one of us and that's the thing mm. and i mean that's not the worst it's always not the worst point to make like it does help a certain group of people but the overarching politics is still like problems like it's a big problem and it's a problem we still have because it deludes people into thinking equality has been achieved both for gay people both for black people that we barely which see again, we don't need to see them because you know they're yeah they're integrated which which again points us to why romantic comedies are not like an apolitical fluff thing that just kind of exists separate from the rest of society they're very much a reflection of ongoing discussions and they're an entry into these discussions like every one of these movies has a point of view or multiple points of view depending on um, who gets gets their uh, voice heard in in the final edit and um, they are released at a certain point in time and they are discussed and they are successful or not successful because of all of these many things that affect them yeah and i think that that's also the thing with patrick dempsey like there's no realistic reason why she wouldn't be with Pedging and MC other than obviously she doesn't love him. Her true love is her child. But I mean, he he's a likable character, but it's also like, why wouldn't you go? Like he proposes at Tiffany's. He obviously he is very well to do. His mother's the mayor, but also like she doesn't get on with his mother. So like the fact that she's unlikable doesn't actually reflect on him. He does push back against her and actually stands up for himself and wants to accommodate her to get married in the South. He doesn't mind. He's like, perfect all the way through and then even when she leaves him because that's again like the finale the high stakes moment is they do get married in the south she walk they she's already walking down the aisle and then this like 
small old uh, uh, lawyer, I guess, shows up and is like, well, you have, the, the divorce papers have not gone through because at some point George Lucas obviously finally signed them and it was fine. But she hasn't. And that's the moment where she's like, oh, well, you know, actually, I don't, I can't marry you. I think I still want to be yeah. with him. Like, I did this, like, subconsciously. So she doesn't sign the divorce papers, even though somebody uh, out of the, the whole wedding party finally produces a pen. And she can't go through with it. And he's, the fact that he's okay with it yeah. makes him incredibly likable. His mother doesn't like that. But also, it makes you go, like, this is a good guy. He, maybe you could have just figured out whatever the hell you were trying to figure out with with Josh Lucas down here and gone back to New York yeah. because I don't actually also know what her future life is because he also at some point it was going to move away are they both now going to stay in this town which they both actually managed to move out of I, I don't th know what's I going mean, to happen I think, here yeah we don't know I think there's a possibility for him to make money in a place like New York doing his bespoke glassware things but that's also not the th thing we see happening if she wants to be a fashion designer I don't think she can do it in small town Alabama which was the whole point so I don't know and I mean I think the the thing with like Patrick Dempsey in terms of like the textuality with Patrick Dempsey as a person and how he gets cast is also super interesting if you look back on this, which must have been, I think, I mean, he was a he was an actor in the 80s. He was in some of those Brad Pack films. He was just the, one of the lesser, like, well, less well-known people. But then he actually gets really famous again because of Grey's Anatomy, which is three years later. Um, and But this must have been, like, his first, I think, bigger role in that time, like after 2000, where he gets cast as a romantic lead and people are starting to realize, oh, he actually is very attractive still. And, you know, we could cast him as a leading man. And then in Grey's Anatomy, he is like the like love interest because he's the love interest of the main character for ever. I mean, mm -hmm. he leaves the show, I think, 10 years no, later. I mean, we're 20 years of Grey's Anatomy almost now. And he leaves like 14 years and 15. Mm. Um and uh, and then he also does more rom-coms as a result. He does Enchanted for Disney. So he's back. He's sort of a similar, he's a well-to-do businessman in New York who's very cynical and then falls in love with the actual Disney princess who becomes human and, and um, steps out of a manhole in Times Square from her animated world. Um, we should do that at some point because it's great. Um, and... So, you know, um, and I think, you know, he's sort of established it because he has a certain look as well. So he gets cast in these mm. kinds of things. And then there's another rom-com uh, that I should look up the title of where he is the best friend of the um, leading lady. And it's that sort of like, oh, they're just friends. But then, of course, by the end, they're in love with each other. And he ends up being the one chasing her down the aisle as she's about to get married to another actor from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so there's a thing here of like, in 2002, Patrick M.C. is the guy she doesn't end up with, even though he's clearly likable and actually very perfect. And I think someone casting must have looked at this and gone, okay. Um, but yeah, he turns into the guy you end up with somewhere through, you know, simply fame. I feel like I that think. happens a lot with... Yeah. With rom-coms, and I think it probably happens because casting sees the people who are in these movies, and even if they're rejected, they can imagine them as the leading men for the next one. Yeah. So I think that happens. I think it happened with the, uh, what is that Jennifer Aniston movie? Oh, I'm. It's gonna. 
I, we're gonna have to do that movie at some point and then yeah. and then we'll, but it does seem to happen uh, quite quite frequently. and i think there's also a moment here where we can tell even though the film has very conservative politics in a way it's not like it's actually doing okay on like you know sexism in terms of like feminism in terms of like how she has a lot of agency um she doesn't have to give up her business she's you know she made choices um said she made and also her fashion career as apparently even though she has a very like well-to-do boyfriend it doesn't look like he's bankrolling that at all so it's like she's independent she has her own thing um and and you know and And even though she gets down on her, like, childhood friend who had the kids instead, like, that's also resolved. And it's clear, it's like, you know, there's different ways of, like, having a life as a woman. And one of them isn't necessarily better than the other, etc. Um, which I think is still interesting. And I, I think that's also why Patrick Dempsey's character is so likable. Because you are not at a point anymore where you actually want a guy who actually maybe treats her badly or is in any way, like, wrong. Um, and I think you can make an argument that that's also something that Nora Ephron did a lot. Like whenever they're with the wrong person, they're you've not necessarily mail. bad, especially you've got mail, which I just love when she breaks up with Greg Kinnear. Um, and they're just like, it's just amicable. It's just like, you know, um, I don't love you. I don't think I love you. Like we're, we get on, but this is obviously not it. I have romantic feelings for someone else. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we don't have to, like, it doesn't have to be drama. It doesn't have to be... It's just how things end sometimes. And I think that maybe also they wanted to sidestep that. Um, but in, in, as a consequence, create the perfect leading man, <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. And someone was like, okay, we're going to do that. Some, I feel like you could, you could literally shoot two more scenes and re-edit what you have and that could be the movie like there is yeah. very little that stands against that just because he's never really a bad guy in no the whole and he movie. apologizes to her the one yeah. time he's angry at her for good reason because she kept all of this from him and you know and he feels lied to he just come back and was like you know we can talk this out and actually i do want to get to know your actual family and i do I, he's very accepting like yeah. the whole way through um and yeah it's it's definitely interesting and there is a apparently the her assistant had a bigger role as well and he was supposed to get together with her and they just cut that so that's what i found out as well oh so he was supposed to get that where he finds someone else um so he's not left alone and sad and whatever but there the, is a her assistant Rona Mitra? i don't know from from uh the david i D. think Kelly there was show. a there was a, yeah maybe there there was a bigger there were some storylines there that were cut um And I think that apparently there's a mid-credit scene that we really didn't pay that much attention to, um, <laughs> where where we at least see he's engaged to someone else, but that's like a hmm. blink and he miss it thing. So I think they wanted to they, give him. They something. wanted to, yeah. <laughs> it 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 feels like they wanted to say like no 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 he's he's fine. This is actually the right choice for him as well. Yeah. yeah. No. So um, I think we've we've talked about most of the things we immediately yeah. thought of when we watched this movie which leaves us to do kind of our standard thing yeah, but uh, our questions and our taglines and everything. yeah exactly so taglines i think you looked us up i, I, I know, looked up what the, is it yeah so i looked up the taglines and um we always do the real taglines if we can find them and then we do fake taglines and so i wrote my fake tagline turns out the real taglines are pretty close to it so <laughs> uh, the the real taglines are um sometimes what you run away from is what you miss the most. 
another one is sometimes what you're looking for is right where you left it, which I feel like they could have just yeah. decided on one of them. Yeah. My, my favorite one, though, is uh, what makes this a perfect movie for, well, Meg Ryan Fall. It's called just fall dot 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 in love. Oh, God. Which is completely meaningless, yeah. except it points to the a fact time that of it's the year. vaguely yeah. fall. Yeah. Which and, we don't um, notice all that much anyway. In the trees a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And the one that I came up with before reading all of those was you can go home again, but then you can never leave. <laughs> Which. <laughs> it's not Hotel California, it's Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, wrong. Yeah, I think my fake band. tagline is uh, she should have stayed with Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's something like love goes home. Like I should, I should write homework. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that. It's like the con- Confederacy wasn't that bad, y'all. <laughs> yeah, the um. South remembers something. <laughs> um. Yeah, so our our questions, uh, I have our questions. I don't know how applicable any of this is. Mm. Um, I, I actually think the question two, which we kind of skip over a lot, um, is is applicable. First question, is this a rom-com? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I think, it definitely... It, if it has a hallmark plot, it we can definitely say... Although there is this discussion, um, uh, of course, amongst people on the internet, are hallmark movies not rom-coms because mm. they're not funny which i think yeah. is going to be another whole thing that we're going to explore in this yeah. podcast i mean the film is not super funny i think it's, it's trying funny. it's trying it's just not as well written as it could be to be the funny but it's trying to bring some it's of those some like elements humor. and and yeah. these things and um um i think it also actually sort of applies the nora efron rule of like the male lead has to sort out it's you know the his own issues and then they can get together but in this case it's her that has to sort out her own issues with her past and like you know work through that and then she's fine and then realizes well you know she yeah the second question that that i wrote down was um uh, chemistry and casting does this work which i think we talked about a lot it it kind of does but also we would have been equally happy if he she had ended up with the other guy, perhaps more so. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think in terms of chemistry, but also because they get more to do with each other, she has better chemistry with Joshua because than with Patrick Dempsey because Patrick Dempsey is almost too perfect, so they never... I think he's trying, but they don't get the material that the other two get in terms of, like, friction and, like, you know, banter and whatever, so... Yeah, the interesting thing... Uh, putting this back to to trivia mode is that Charlize Theron was first cast in that role and dropped out because of the 2000 actor strike she must have dropped out before they started filming and then they cast with Witherspoon which I think is clearly an upgrade for this particular movie because I don't think Charlize Theron would have fit the role quite as well yeah, she did a very bad like romance film called Sweet November in like two thousand. So I think that was the the pocket of time where she was cast mm. like that. And then thankfully like sort of retooled and did like way more interesting things. Like yeah. Monster and um Mad Max. Uh, you know, Fury Road and whatever. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of covering the most important things, which uh, leaves us to how how good is this movie? Uh, I don't know. I, I give it to Confederate soldiers. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, if we if we if we stick with the five stars, I th- I think it's a five point eight on IMDb, and I think that makes it for me also like a three star movie. It's it's fine. It's not yeah. great. I've seen worse. Have it's seen a lot worse. Glowing review. Also, I forgot to say this already, but I need you to know that the director who hasn't done he's done other very mediocre romantic comedies as well none of which immediately rang a bell but he did two or three credits as an actor and two of them were a dancer on Greece and then also a greaser on Greece too <laughs> oh I don't know how that happened but yeah and his name is Andy Tennant no, no relation to David Tennant but but yeah I think looking at the credits of the two like director writer you can also sort of tell like uh, maybe it's just not you know maybe try something else <laughs> that's mean but also in this case they had a great cast they had a very good budget obviously especially if you did all the location shoots so it must unfortunately also come down to some of the writing and directing that's i think the, the like, romantic comedies sorry. need need the the chemistry yeah. and they need the writing and they need both yeah. and if you have only one it doesn't work and yeah. it and doesn't really matter it's not again it's not even the tropes and some of the elements are there, but it's just not something's not clicking and mm. sometimes that's difficult to like pin down but yeah well that's our take on sweet home alabama where the skies are blue